Hey Junior Nation, now more than ever, exclusive, entertaining, and free content from the world of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is no further away than your fingertips. It's all thanks to Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo' Radio presented by Exalta. All eight Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and of course, DaleJr.com. So whether you're at home, at work, in the gym, on the run, or just hanging out, Dirty Mo' Radio gives Junior Nation its newest and most versatile way yet to plug directly into the world of Earnhardt anytime, anywhere. I love you, Mom. She's one of the most influential women in NASCAR. I love my mom. My sister Kelly always has my back. I couldn't be prouder of my daughter. I love my wife Kelly. She's my best friend. Welcome to this week's Fastlane Family, brought to you by Bedhead by TG. You can get Bedhead by TG products at your local Ulta, and you can also visit Ulta.com. So excited today. So joining me in the Exalta studio is Claire B. Lang and I go way back. <laughs> we do. Uh, we racing do. talk show host and uh, NASCAR reporter. How are you today? I'm really good. And you know, I'm really thrilled to be up here with you because I don't do many interviews. <laughs> I always say, look to your toes and work hard. And I'm not out promoting myself a lot. And I don't do a lot of interviews. I turn a lot of stuff down. But for you, you know, I thought... I trust you to we go way back. That's way why. back. Exactly. You want to tell them how far back? And I'm thinking. Well, no, we're not going to tell them our age. We're not going to no. tell them how far back that we go. Not but, technically, yeah. but I'm saying. <laughs> I, I was thinking today driving here. Coyote Joe's. Yes. Popular country music. Dance hall. Yes. I love the dance halls here coming from Wisconsin, Minnesota. Here in town. I believe that I met you there or that we hung out there. <laughs> what I couldn't remember was whether we actually, I'm not much of a line dancer, got out on the floor. I think we did. It's possible. I'm not much of a line dancer either, but <laughs> I love to dance. But I In just don't, of the band. didn't know the moves. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just on our yeah. own independently. Yeah. yeah. So That's what we did. Know, I was friends, or, or I came to know, I mean, through our racing and through Dad and all that, Paul Shad, right. who you were an on-air personality with. On, yeah. On radio, so that's, you know, that was how we met. Gosh, I remember I was calling into y'all's show all the time. Yeah. And you and were at the Coyote Joe's place <laughs> yeah. when I would go there. Yeah. And I, I liked remote. you right away because you were a cool girl and we hung out. And that really, I think, was sort of the start of it. It yeah. was the start of yeah. it. It was the start of it. So the start for you, we were talking just a little bit before we got on air. You uh, went to school for journalism. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious how I, I know we're going to get to the NASCAR part, but how your path brought you to, to sports radio. You know, it's interesting. When I started out in radio, I didn't know women weren't doing even music radio. I didn't even know it. And I was really naive because I wasn't trying to kick a door down. I sort of fell into it. I went to the college radio station one day with a couple of friends. Two of them might have been boys I was interested in, right? And I went to the, I mean, I didn't have this big aspiration, but I went to the campus station and someone fell out because they stayed out too late the night before and they did not show up for their morning shift. So it must have been early in the morning. And they're like, you can read the news. And I was like, I was going to be a teacher. I never thought of journalism or radio. They dragged me into the studio <laughs> and I was so nervous. My heart was beating outside my chest and I said, I can't do it. And they said, well, we need you. So I jumped in and I read the news and I could read, always could read upside down, you know, and throw me some words. I can read them. And I just read the news and nailed it. And I think it was about a week later. I was a junior in college when I changed my oh major. My gosh. I know. And I found, I believe, what I was cut out to do. I mean, I love it so much that I think I was destined, but had somebody not gotten drunk the night before, I'm not sure I would even, isn't that a crazy story, That's right? a total good story of in the right place at the right time. Yes. I mean, that is destiny and fate right there, yeah. all spelled out. And I'd like to thank 
the student that was going to read the news that got <laughs> too drunk. And decided to party instead. And they were hung over. Hung over. Hung out and hung over after that this one. Be one of those things we might need to uh, <laughs> reconnect you guys. This You you led Claire right into her, her yeah. uh, career. Yeah, buy him <laughs> a drink or something, it. right? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be good to know that story now these days. So you were going to be a teacher. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. that happened. And journalism, here you come. So I switched. And, um, and then... You know, I uh, there weren't a lot of women doing this, but I, I didn't know it. I mean, I really did not yeah. know because I just had that spirit and energy. I don't think it really mattered if I was a, a guy or a girl. I just decided this was my passion. And I didn't realize for many years trying to get there. I managed news departments. I did local radio in Minnesota. I did a lot of things that hadn't been done, and I didn't realize people hadn't been doing it and uh, of my gender. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was hard. And I thought that I wasn't talented. I thought that I, at that age, I thought, well, maybe I just don't have it. But then I'm the kind of person you can knock me down and I'll get back up and keep trying. And I'll fall down and I'll get back up. And I did that. And so to young people coming up, you know, the advice always is the people who make it in this world are the ones who keep trying. Yep. And if you really love something and you're supposed to be there, don't ever give up yep. on it. And that was that. And then sports talk radio. I never had a, a view that I would end up there. My husband got a job in this part of the country. I ended up being a PR person and then a national PR person for the theme park group because there weren't a lot of radio jobs. I left. So that's I left what brought a, you to North Carolina. Uh-huh, and I left a job in which I was on the air, news director, billboards in town in Minnesota to move here right after I got married. And, uh, and I did the national PR. I went to a syndicated show to talk about the concert Palladium and hit it off and they asked me to fill in and I filled in doing commentary and ended up doing um, actually doing a, a syndicated show uh, and they hired me full time and I got out of the national PR I'd hit the top in national PR and I thought I just really like radio and I got back into radio and ended up falling into NASCAR how about that isn't it wild that is so wild I never I mean I never really knew that I just yeah you know like I, said, I knew you as you know the, the on-air mer- morning personality there so many years ago <laughs> the girl you danced with and had yeah. a good time and yeah. partied with at yeah. the Coyote Joe's yeah. is all you knew early on and then I was pissed when that <laughs> fell apart for whatever reason yeah and then you got you know we're, we're really glad to see you get back in NASCAR and you've done, you've been doing this role how long have you been doing this 50- role years on satellite radio yeah. since the the birth of the NASCAR channel yeah. and um, to me it's a canvas to paint on a satellite radio is something that I I see radio as, as storytelling not about me I don't talk much about myself on my show but about the people in the garage and their stories and so many stories to tell that there's unlimited things to tell about what's going on there and uh, and I like I like painting the story of the sport. I know, and people. I don't really see you. You're. I was going to ask you mm-hmm. about just you know being in the media and mm-hmm. today the way media is driven. I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, look at this political campaign and all this yeah. crap we deal with. But that doesn't seem like your role on Sirius. You're you, like you said, you're the storyteller. Well, I break you know? stories. I do. Yeah. But yeah. I. I, I hear a lot of but gossip. But not with drama. I'm not, not with, I wanted to ask your position yeah. on that. And just yeah. the timeliness of news and how you get in front of it, mm-hmm. but yet reporting accurately and all those yeah. kind of things, you know? I kind of feel like there are even times when I think you have to be very careful to lead drivers into stories. And if you ask a question, which it's the reporter's job to ask a good question, right? I mean, it's, it's journalists who ask the hard questions. But sometimes I'm very careful, like even if I... Let me say, for example, I go in to ask a driver something and I have the 
I have the sheet with all the data on it. Instead of pointing out data and saying, well, what do you think about your data? I'll say, look at this and tell me what you think. If it comes to mind for them, yeah. it might have been something they were thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not that I won't. I ask some hard questions in the deadline room, and I'm not afraid of the hard things. But I'm very careful about pushing people into saying something they didn't intend to say. Yeah. Well, you have relationships to manage, mm -hmm. too. You, you know, you've been at this 15 years, so obviously you've done a really good job at that to keep their trust, earn their trust, build their trust so that you can continue to report and tell those stories. Well, and they're pretty, <laughs> as long as you show all sides of it, yeah, I, yeah. I can ask a really hard question in a good way. Yeah. No driver has ever backed away from me, you know, nailing him on pit road with something hard, but you got to know how to work into it. There's a, there's a way to do it. And I also feel very strongly that the young drivers who come into the sport, that I... And all of us should. It's just my view for myself. A lot of people want them to uh, unveil their personality and be who they think they should be. Like, push them into a personality right away. Well, they're scared and they're shy and they're growing up. So my view is you slowly unwrap them until their person, they trust you and their personality comes out on their own. And then they are who they really are. And, and they appreciate that from you, and they trust you forever. Yeah. Because you let who they really were come out, be. and you were patient yeah, you just to wait for be. that. Yeah. I have strong views about how to yeah. bring out the tough news and ask people hard questions and bring the young drivers into their own personalities. Yeah. What's one of the hardest stories or topics that you've had to cover? Oh, wow. I um, know oh, this is a tough one. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been involved in fights. Uh, fights are hard. <laughs> You know, the series director, who's not the series director right now, used to say that when they would, he, I had a clip from him, John Darby, remember him? Yes. And they said, we used to go and we would get to the bottom of the fight and pull out the team members and pull out the officials and there would be Claire at the bottom of the pile <laughs> with her microphone. And fights were always hard because I remember the time that Kevin Harvick went after Greg Biffle. And I was out on pit road and Harvick was threatening from on top of the pit box. And I leaned forward to ask Biffle a question and I knew kind of it was coming, but flying over my shoulder at the neck of Biffle came Harvick. I fell down. And when people are pulling people out of a pile, the elbows, it's, they're not intending yeah, to right. punch you, it but just it happens. My nose. That's what I was always worried about. It's getting a broken nose in a fight. Right. Because the elbow and I'm like covering my nose and running the mic and and, you know, my family saw me on the big screen TV go down and then they never saw me. Oh, <laughs> and they were like, oh my God. Uh, Those are hard sometimes because there are times when you have to chase after a driver and there's a fine line between he doesn't want to talk. So let him go, which I believe in and getting there to get the story. You know, those are hard. You're running you got a microphone. I can remember with Dale Earnhardt Sr., <laughs> He was really good at walking and then taking quick turns, and you're walking backwards with a mic. Those were hard. I mean, I don't ever remember him ever being in an altercation, but I always thought, oh, my God, I'm a tripper, right? <laughs> what if I fall and, like, trip Dale Earnhardt Sr., and he falls over? He was pretty good on his feet, right? Those are the things, because I'm kind of a bull in a china Those shop. Those are the things you worry about. <laughs> I worry about falling and tripping a driver because you're walking backwards. There's a pack of people. They're all shoving on you. You're sh I'm only trying to keep up without knocking into anybody else. And then, you know, of course, try not to get over uh, run by a race car, you yeah, know, as they dart yeah. in and out. And things are happening, so you've got to be on your toes. To me, it's never the questions or the uh, live on the air. It's kind of the in the midst of the moment, not tripping some yeah. big-name iconic driver <laughs> who falls over. And I, I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, I remember with 
Felix Sabatis. I'm in Victory Lane live and uh, on Sirius XM, and Felix is up, and it's raining out. And I'm reaching my mic, you know, because I'm not real tall to try to get to him. But I've seen I, that pose before. She yeah. poses, she's got her arm <laughs> up in the air. And I'm, like, pose. overextending, you know, trying to get him to lean towards me. Well, he falls. <laughs> he falls off the stage in the rain. It's slippery, and I catch him. And I'm like, if Felix Sabatis gets injured because I overlured him to lean over, how would I feel? Well, he ended up being okay, right? But there are so many moments you don't see. That's hilarious. In Victory Lane, there are so many stories about things like that that happen. Okay, so that all of that made me think about, I, I would have never guessed mm -hmm. that that's what you're worried <laughs> with. You Falling. Know? Yeah, or in just those scenarios. Yeah. I mean, I've been on your show right. after the, the race and things like oh, that numerous time. times. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I've talked to lots of personalities in the media mm -hmm. on this podcast and, and the preparation. So what does a week look like for you with your job at Sirius? You travel to all the races? Well, everyone. Everyone. Uh, I have a studio in my house. Mm -hmm. So I broadcast on Wednesday night from my house. Thursday, I'm usually going to the track. Big travel day. And then I'm on the air that night. So if I'm headed to California, I'm still on the air that night. So I'm on the air till 10 Eastern. And I then on Fridays, I'll be on the air, 7 to 10 Eastern, and I'll usually come to the track relatively early on Friday for the news conferences, whatever. But Friday night, if there's a truck race or something or an Xfinity race, I'll be on before whatever time it starts and then after. Uh, if there's no race that night, I'll be on 7 to 10. Then I'm on Saturdays uh, before and after races and Sundays, and I'm on the pre- and post-race show. I'm walking around yeah. the garage, and I'm talking to people and lining up guests while I'm walking around. You've probably seen me, yes. right? And then the part after the race where I'm out on pit road, and I'm be my job is to get to victory lane when the network is done broadcasting the race. But for ice cream on the cake, I like to go out to pit road and get other interviews. So I carry live and I carry a recorder and I jump over pit wall and I've got all this equipment. Again, we're talking the don't fall over pit yes. wall, don't trip. And, uh, and I don't much, but I'm always thinking about maneuvering. <laughs> so I'm jumping over and I'm headed out and I have to be back by the time it's time to throw after the race, right? Well, what happens is people literally have drinking games over how much they spot me on TV behind the scenes. And I try to stay out of the camera. But it's impossible to do. I mean, it's not my it's not my goal to be featured on the big screen. So what you're doing is you're looking and making faces and and they're always kind of seeing me doing wild things in the background, right? Yeah. And you're trying to get it all done and then get and they're trying to stay out of the TV. But like for example, you walk up and then it was a couple of years ago, maybe last year, network decides to come running up because you know, I can't go before national TV. They come running up So there's a pecking order. Oh, how, yeah, oh, there is a real protocol. A lot of rules. Live TV, yeah. live radio, the pack of people, and then one-on-ones if you're not live TV, live radio. I yeah, run to the care center. Uh, I go to the care center whenever somebody goes there, and it's usually a mile walk. And then as soon as you yeah. get back, it's time to go again. <laughs> Something else happens. You're really, that whole explanation of everything that you're doing, you're really the behind the scenes. Like you have the full, you give I'm somebody the full it. behind the scenes experiences or watching. Well, let's say the one time I was interviewing network TV came running up and I was just getting started with an interview. So I turned to move myself away. And all I saw was the camera, like an inch from my face. And uh, I called up my husband and I said, how big was it on TV? He said, oh, full face, <laughs> big screen, you know. Well, you're always watching cars, people, cameras, 
trying to stay out of other people's, you know, the live running around stuff. And uh, and there's a lot of that. To capture the tape and the audio and the inside stuff yeah. that I get for Sirius XM, it's a lot of physical staying in shape to go get this stuff and yeah. running. And, yeah. and uh, luckily, I haven't ever fallen on national TV. Because can you imagine you're watching and all of a sudden somebody like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, don't you ever think about that? Yeah, oh, I do, phew. yeah. I knew I liked you for a reason. Yeah. See, if you just, I, it's yeah. a truth. What yeah. is the one thing you think? I can ask questions. No, we don't want to make an ass of ourselves. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. And fall in front of national TV or not knock good. another reporter down while you're trying to just yeah. walk along with the pack. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's an good. art. It's harder than so it looks. So when, you, when you're traveling, like on a, on a if, if you have to do the right? show Thursday night or Friday night, are you at the track in studio, like mm -hmm. the booths I've been in before yeah. at the media center or whatnot? And that's where you often, do the Often very late. Yes. <laughs> then. And so then you travel either home on Sunday afternoon or evening or Monday. Oh, no, I it's Monday. Mondays. Yeah. yeah. I can't get the, usually I'm on you after get, the post-race yeah. show. So you to can't like, get home from there. Right. Yeah. So drivers and people joke that they're driving in their driveway and they have their serious XM on. And you say goodnight. And, and I'm still at Pocono, <laughs> yeah. Dover, Watkins yeah. Glen. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, you know. But there is a story to be told. One of my favorite things is to do the shows after it's all over. I put my boots, I always wear boots, put my boots up on the counter. Now my work is done for the weekend. And I'm sitting for the first time in the weekend. <laughs> Just literally, I have nothing left to do but talk to people about yeah. what transpired. It's actually my it's favorite sort of like time. like reflection, yeah. I can yeah. See that. yeah, and you can break it yeah. down, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's, um, it's fun. Very cool. And so Mondays and Tuesdays, what do they look like for you? With Monday is my day off travel day. Yeah. So depending if you have a rain out or yeah. something, you yeah. know, Mondays and Tuesdays are... Are uh, you never know? Or catch uh, up with your husband day. Yeah. Catch up on laundry. <laughs> Expense report. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I do travel. Uh, you know, hotels, credentials. You do all that stuff for yourself. Yeah, yeah. because there's only one of me that yeah. travels to every race and uh, expenses it. And so when I first started, like, where would corporate send you to a hotel? They don't know where we. I might be. <laughs> Where? I, I completely understand. Yeah. Dell's Pilots, they asked to do yeah. their own hotels for that very reason. Right. They can they know the area, you yep. know, they know where they can where stay. Where people stay. Yeah. And they can even get outside of the race market, you know, because they don't yeah. have to be like right on top of the racetrack and that kind of thing. So I get it. Yeah. 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 And and that's really important because yeah. you, you know where other people are staying. Yeah. You, you know, someplace might look really good, but it actually not on the map, but in Terrible traffic-wise. Yes, I mean, exactly. there's lots of things, exactly. right? So in the off-season, do you, um, for Sirius, you're still reporting on the regular mm -hmm. weeknight schedule and, and, and all it, that? It, well, and I, I, take a, I take some time off. I was going to say, based yeah. on the schedule, I haven't found any time that you could be sick or <laughs> have any yeah. issues. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and during the off-season, I don't do weekends. Yeah. I'm not. That, they're it. very yeah. kind to me. They're yeah. not like on the weekends on air. But, you know, you'd be surprised. Well, you wouldn't be surprised because you do the business of it. You know how much business is happening during the off-season. How much news and how much stuff and how much you know and there's always stuff going on on Tuesday and news conferences and NASCAR comes out with stuff it it doesn't really end no you really have no, to stay, you gotta stay in on tune it. and stay on the note and now I guess social media has had it added a whole new level of staying in the know yeah. right if I miss social media for a day I am completely out of the loop can you imagine <laughs> that this is a true when I started a true story when I started and satellite radio first the NASCAR channel first came to be. It was such a unique uh, yeah. you know, thing. And I literally could get the news from the track, get the interviews, get the news conferences, and feed them back and air them 
before print could run a story in the newspaper. There wasn't social media. Yeah, yeah. So the print journalists were like, who is that person? Yeah, it, here she comes. She, she's already aired thunder. it. We can't even write it. You know, now they're all tweeting and, you know, everybody yeah. is, a lot of them are on the air with us. But it's interesting because back then, it when it first came to be, there was no way to get this stuff. And yeah. now what I love about satellite radio and Sirius XM is that when everyone else shuts down, we can, can say, still be going. Let's, yep. let's go on for another hour. The post-race yep. when I'm on after races, I'm in the garage, and my favorite thing is to get the team guy, the engineer, the guy whose wife just had a baby, and it's just, and no one hears all this, or there's something happening, stories to tell. It might be dark in the garage, but uh, it's the rest of the story, you know? Yeah. That's what I was thinking, is that how, how do you, you know, just, just remain unique and, mm-hmm. and, you know, what SiriusXM can offer versus any the other outlets, you know? Well, I'm I'm pretty much uh, only SiriusXM. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I don't do a little of this and a little no. of that. I'm full-time. And so it's kind of a niche to be the person who you, you need to have SiriusXM to get the inside stories yeah. of, that I do or uh, the time that I'm on the air. Most of it is all SiriusXM. Yeah. I'm not doing a lot yeah. of other stuff. I could... But, you know, I it's my niche, and it's yeah, what I love. Just, and, and my yeah. point to that was more of just, you know, being there. There are so many opportunities for mm-hmm. people to consume the information. Right. It's how to be unique and different so that they want to consume it from you. I so think that's I kinda, a great point. Yeah, you, I kind of go deeper. What you do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I go deeper into the sport, yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm on when others have shut off yeah. because Sirius XM can do that. And also, I... I had other opportunities to maybe do a little of this over here, but I felt it would take away from me being able to do what I do uniquely, which is dig a little inside the story and know the people in the garage and and tell their their story. And I think it's interesting and important. So when you, Claire B. Lang, just has such a great ring to it. Claire (laughs) B. Lang is B. your is that your real initial? Maiden name. Maiden name, okay. Yeah, well, well no, it was, it, it, you know, my father died when he was very young, when I was very young, and he was very young. My, my, my father adopted us and changed okay. our name, uh, and uh, Bennett would be the middle name. Okay. But, you know, uh, there was a personality on syndicated radio who called himself with the middle initial. Okay. And I was on a syndicated radio show, and he was a curmudgeon. And he came in, and he said, one day I was What's filling in for What's a curmudgeon? Somebody who is um, <laughs> somebody who is grouchy and okay, okay, loves okay, to okay. kind of explore. I knew it the, didn't sound good. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like somebody who's always got kind of the the uh, a curmudgeon. I'm yeah, kind of a curmudgeonly yeah. view. Okay, I don't know if you know okay. anyone like that. Oh, I'm sure I do. I was on the air filling in for him one day, and he came in and he said his middle initial, Robert D. Rayford. I'm Robert oh, D. I knew Rayford. Robert D. Yes. Rayford. He said, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> And I was young and shaken in my boots back then. That's who did the news New to back town. Then, yeah. I filled in for him. Yeah. And I said, shaken in my boots. I didn't know what to say. And I don't know how this magically came out. But I said, I'm Claire B. Lang. What do you want to make <laughs> of it? It's like all, all of the... Um, confidence that I didn't have and all of the... It flowed right on out. It came that, out it? in the right way and... I was like, forevermore it reminded me, what do you want to make of it? You know, don't knock me down because I will stand straight up. It just, it so just. So that's where Claire B. Lane came from. And I, it just caught on and I, I, I just, it just, I, I didn't intend for it. I didn't dream it up. I'm not a marketing person. I'm not out shooting photos and dreaming up things to do. But uh, it was sort of a thing to make me stand tall in my boots as I was shaking that I yeah, said it. Yeah. And it reminded me forever.
Anybody tries to knock you down, no matter what you try to do, if you're listening to this and you have dreams, I, I hear all the time from people that want to be hauler drivers in the sport or they have big dreams, you know. Don't let anybody knock you down because whoever gets knocked down and doesn't get back up, and not in a mean way, but you're, you're not going to get you're not going to get the opportunity. Get exactly. Same thing happened yeah, to you or anybody exactly. else, right? Because that's what you have to yeah. do. You know, it's uh, there. Uh, there are so many people that don't have the personality trait to be persistent like mm-hmm. that. And I mean, that's that's part of what you're talking yes. about is just not giving up on your dream, going back out it, doing what you're doing. It reminded me just walking in here, Jason Schultz, who was out in the lobby. He listens to all of our podcasts like mm-hmm. crazy. He's been here all morning for all the recordings. I saw him at Sam Bass last week. I always see him on Twitter, and those are the people that yes. you think of. Mm-hmm. You know, the, when you and and you tell this to young drivers and people trying to right. our, our late model driver Josh Berry trying to make a name for themselves. People that don't have that personality to step outside the box and to put themselves in situations and put themselves in places that they're not comfortable in. Right. That's what you have to do. And people in leadership, I really feel strongly about this. There's a book, a New York Times selling book. If anybody hasn't read it and you're struggling or whatever, not that I struggled, but it was hard. It yeah. was not easy. Nobody handed it over. Is uh, The book is called Failing Forward. And what it tells you is that your parents teach you how to succeed, but they don't teach you how to fail. So the book is about how to fail forward which everyone does. Yeah, yeah. Everybody can succeed, right? Yeah. So in the times when you're just learning or you're just out of school, and the other thing is people in high positions don't stop and tell young people, hey, I, I'm scared too. Yeah. I was interviewed by a little girl the other day, little girl, she was 11 years old, doing a podcast, and it was, uh, she was uh, interviewing um, people in their jobs, and she was shaking. She was nervous. I'm like, you kidding me? 11 years old? Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? I would never have been able to do what you're doing. And no. she's interviewing me. Yeah. We got to stop and tell young people, Yeah. hey, I'm right. scared. I used to get nervous when I first started in radio. I could grab that mic and I could be crying over a lost boyfriend or whatever you do when you're young, 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 young. And, and I could do it. But when I got in radio first and I had to go do a, um, I had to do a bridal show with a thousand people. I used to almost panic at things like that. And I had to pinch myself so that the pain would keep me away from like hyperventilating. Well, I could go do that now, but who tells you when you start out, you know, it petrified me. I was so scared, never at the mic by myself, but in front of tons of people. And now I, I, now I I can do it, you know, not a problem, but who tells you that when you're just starting, you know, that's crazy. (laughs) Nobody, nobody. And that, that kind of leads to, um, we were talking a, a little bit before uh, we got on air about my girls, and you're uh, always you're always when you see the girls mm-hmm. at the racetrack, and they've been doing their show hammer down, mm-hmm. and of course Carson's done some of the pit reporting and things like that, and, and she's so cool. You're just always you're one of maybe three people over the weekend mm-hmm. that says something to mm-hmm. lift them up and to encourage them. Yeah. And that's really cool. That's well, like, both of them are very talented, but they're young, and yeah. they need people. Especially another female, I think, who can tell them they're good yeah, and yeah. that it and that's not easy, but you got it, you can do it. And yeah. I love that. I, I would love to work more with young people coming up in the sport. I don't know if you know this, but if you look at my Twitter uh, timeline, I I I don't know where this started, but I always stop and hand my mic to kids. I have probably a thousand pictures of kids standing there with my mic, <laughs> and I always stop and say, "Would you like a picture of this little one with my mic?" And they'll say yes. And children always stand up tall when you give them the mic because they got something to say, right? Your girls are awesome. They're very talented. I love what they're doing on their latest project. I need to stop on my day and tell them that because 
They're just entering, and I hope they're the future. I hope that the good group of people that respect what came before them are the yeah. ones that take it on to the next level. It's really important to me, and uh, so I feel like it's my job to stop and encourage those those girls, you know? Yeah. So you've seen a lot in mm-hmm. all these years with, with NASCAR, especially the 15 years you've been on Sirius. What, what do you think about the sport in today's um, environment and climate versus – all these years before us and keeping that respect for the sport and all that. Well, what's interesting to me is that the sport appreciates hard work and good ethics. And I have never, ever had to work my way into the sport or tell people to respect me. Um, I carried myself with a way that I think in a way that I think people knew that they, they never, ever gave me a hard time. Drivers always would talk to me, even if they're mad, uh, because I think it's how you treat people that you get back just like a driver does. It's not like you're not going to, you know, bump draft them if you need to, or you're going to do a nice move on the track, but you do it in a respectful way. And uh, the sport respects hard work and ethics. I really do believe that. So I love that about the sport. I, uh, I like the sport of NASCAR for the people that are in it and how much passion they have for what they do. I think it's all of our responsibility to be fair. It's not like you don't ask hard questions, but you don't set people up. I've been in groups where I've heard people set someone up and then go over and ask someone else something to try to further carry something that they've set up and I heard it. Now, I'm not saying I'm any better than anyone else or I'm not trying to fly my flag. We have to be careful. We have responsibility as journalists and I really believe in protocol. I really believe in how you handle yourself. And, and the ethics of journalism are really important to me. So what do you do for fun outside of this crazy Well, I try, world? you know, honestly, I love fishing. Yeah? I, do you know, you probably don't know this, but, you know, my husband was a sea captain and still fishes in tournaments, and I love that. I have spent, you know, from the Midwest, I've spent New Year's out on ice fishing holes, popping the champagne <laughs> on the ice, having the best time of my life. I have fished tournaments. Do you know one year in the Charlotte Offshore Sport Fishing Club, I was the sportsman of the year for the number of fish and the size of fish. I can catch a fish. Oh, my god! Now, gosh. Captain's got to put you where the in fish the are. Right spot. And yeah. you're catching, you know, live bait. But uh, when I'm not so consumed with this, I will be fishing saltwater tournaments more. And I've fished a lot of them. Lady angler tournaments where you have to gaff your own fish and bring your own 20-pound king in, you hope, or 25-pound king in, right? And they can't touch it. So I like to fish. Um, I really, really think it's relaxing. Love to be out on the ocean, playing the little Jimmy Buffett in and out of the ocean. (laughs) I mean, uh, I love that. Uh, I, I like a lot of sports. I like to go to sporting events and... You know, I, I, I honestly enjoy being around kids uh, who kind of have aspirations to be something. And yeah. I think in my dream, I would I would do something in broadcasting with, you know, kids coming up, you know. I really feel big about that. That's awesome. Yeah. You're a fisherman. <laughs> how, how long have you been married? 30 plus years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You are good at this. Really? Good and and the thing that. is, truthfully, um, I don't talk a lot about my I private know, life on yeah, here. You yeah, know why? Yeah, because... Yeah. Everybody else didn't buy into yeah. being analyzed and yeah, being, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, but I'm very proud of yeah. where I'm at, my family, my husband, uh, my life. Can you does imagine? Does he get to travel some? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. Comes to yeah, some races. Travel. But basically the thing that's interesting is that he's been here since I started in, in local radio. Yeah. So he has watched. Uh, you can remember something, and I'm sure it's like this with your husband. 
that other people might not have seen that they saw and grew with you through it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can imagine, right? So long time. Um, uh, I, I hope I'm a good wife, although I travel a lot, you know? <laughs> uh, but... But I'm into... Well, he's a good husband to support f- what you want to do, you know? Big That's time. Awesome. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Because, you know, I always see the wives in the garage and um, and I give them credit because I'll always say to them, man, look at this driver. He's got three kids or two kids and uh, or crew chief, right? Mm-hmm. He's living his dream. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't happen without you. And we need to tell them that they're part of the team you know the family members of the people that make our sport happen they're part of the team these crew chiefs would not be able to have a family if they didn't have somebody at home who got what they did same thing with the drivers it would be it's sort of not an easy life you know um but i give credit to all of them and i see it a lot of times in the garage you know i have guys after races shouting out to their their newborn baby who was born this week and would now you know and nobody would know that because they're a member of the team that works under a race car and slaves to make a car go fast you running a race team you you understand that yeah it's the love for the people that you don't know that is my passion in this sport yeah Nobody knows who your underneath mechanic is, right? Yeah, that comes out. Right. Yeah. It has to be it has to be part of our sport to make our sport what it really is, which is when you go in the garage, if you're lucky enough to be in the garage, you see that. But if you don't get a chance to have a hot pass and see that, how would you know it if someone didn't tell that story, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's true. I never thought yeah. about that. Yeah. It's very true. Very true. Oh, awesome. Well, this has just been good stuff. <laughs> Good, 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 good stuff. Your passion just shines through. I mean, your your commitment and the passion and the energy and the excitement and all of that. And that I can tell that is um, the talk about respect and mm-hmm. how you carry yourself and all that. You're you're right. That just it's just there. It's natural, you know. It's I hope just that, who you are. I hope that people who carry it on, <laughs> who come in the door yeah, that you opened. Yeah carry that the same way because if you keep I said keep your head down look at your toes work hard yeah and uh and and hope that that your work speaks for who you are do you get to be a mentor for people that are coming into this I I do a lot I do a lot of that I I also feel like um I feel like it's important to me, and you having daughters are going to understand this, and you're a very good mother. I want to say that. Thank I've you. seen you around. Boy, it is hard. Talk to your girls. I know because I'd be so strict. <laughs> I would be so strict. I would be so strict. My sister is like, yeah, the one got her driver's license, and she's driving the six-year-old uh, in the car on the day she got her driver's license. I'm like, and what? And you're like, hell no. Lock her up, <laughs> and she should be driving for 10 years. And the one day I said to my sister, uh, you're not letting her walked at the school bus and get on by herself. She's like, Claire, she's 13 years old. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's hard it to let them hard. grow, right? Carson just turned 16 and oh, she gosh. had another friend who turned 16 in the same week. And Carson was having her 16th birthday party. And this friend's mom, I said, well, um, she said, I don't know if she's going to be able to make it. I'm just trying to make sure where it is. So I can bring her there. And I, th- I said, well, she has her license. Can she not drive? She's like, oh, no, I'm not letting her drive. <laughs> You know, and I thought to myself, I'm not letting her drive very far from the house. And the first thing that popped in my mind is that rule that, you know, all the accidents, whatever percentage of the accidents happen within a mile of your home or whatever. So I'm like, well, that's not a very good rule. So what do you let them do? Then it makes you start questioning. Yeah. Oh, gosh, am I that parent? Yeah. That lets their kids get away with everything because I'm letting them drive. (laughs) And I'm nervous as I'll get out about it. But it's convenient, you know, and it's. What is They got to learn. To not let them do it. Yeah. Or to let them do it. Do you want to be that? That parent yeah. that is the one, this would be me, 
Yeah. Bubble wrap them yeah. and lock them so in a room. At 30, they have no idea what to Nothing. do. <laughs> right? Don't That's make any of their decisions. kids don't want to get licenses now until they're yeah. 18 and 19 years old, you know? Yeah. I can't imagine. I was, day I was turned 16, I was there. But I really believe, like, the work ethic and the respect. Your daughters yeah. have both of that. They they know how to handle people when you come up to people yeah. and you chat with people. It's really important. Yeah. I mean, you work really hard and just do your job and try to be. It's important to me that, it. you know, I never, when they sent the news release out, when I first came to XM, they never said, she's the first woman who blah, 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 blah. No, because I'd earned my way there. And my goal was that. At the time, David Poole and people respected in the media center. I wanted to be as good as them. I didn't just want to be, hey, I'm the I'm first girl. I'm here because I'm the first woman. I right, never, right. Yeah. never wanted yeah. that. And I hope for your daughters that one day down the road, we're just going to be people. Yeah. And I keep working at wanting to be the best so that I can turn that over one day. And it's not, you know, it's not about, you know, the yeah. that, that really I hope one day it is that. We're still a little ways away from that, I think. Yeah, and that's that's a really tough fence to sit on because I was there with Danica being, you know, the woman yep. in NASCAR, you know, us two together, all of that kind yep. of thing. It's it's a hard moniker not to to, to steer away from. Well, because you get asked to speak and you get yeah, asked to. Because are like, of. Yeah, and I turn that down. Yeah. I, I, but, you know, I, try, I just think I, I couldn't be – I couldn't be real, like I said. And at the same time, though, you want to put that out there correct. so that people know. Because you're people the one, because you're not seeking it. Yes, yeah, You're probably the one that there. would say it right. Yeah. So yeah. do you have a responsibility to be the one that goes and talks about it? Or do you decline right. because you run a good company right. and it's not because your name is Kelly? Yeah. You know, then you have the extra thing of having the last name, yeah. which I don't. I don't have that. I came from nowhere. Who knew? Yes, you I do. Was? You have an awesome name, Claire B. Lane. <laughs> no, I love it, and I love I, lo- it. I, I, I love do. It. Thank you, but yeah. but what I'm saying is, I you, you I know what you mean, and 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 it's important to me that people not, you know, your work speaks for itself. Yeah, go yeah. out and work on your craft, people. Actions speak louder than words. Yes, yes. Go work on what. So you So speaking of my famous last name, do you have any good Dale Earnhardt stories? I do through the years. Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and it involves radio. So. I had a, a little producer in local radio, and she was as cute as a button. I actually found her at the Stock Car Cafe, and she waited on me, and I thought she had such a great personality. When I needed a producer, I went and found her, and she ended up being the most loyal person in the weird times of radio that I had ever run into. So uh, there was a jumbling of radio, and I got to – she. She ended up, I, I didn't get her a job as a producer. I turned her over to the station. She was in, like, uh, promotions. But when I needed someone in a really rough you time, grabbed I her. grabbed her. <laughs> so we were supposed to have Dale Earnhardt Sr. on the radio. And we were waiting and holding the music so that it, the music wouldn't be playing when Dale Earnhardt came on. Right. <laughs> but I worked in local radio, so I interviewed him a lot, and I... I was always impressed by him. I always tried to not fall in front of him, but I, you know, I didn't know him and have him on. So he, but it was big when he came on. It was a big day. So we're tr- don't play the music because you don't want the music to be playing when he's on he's hold. He's not going to wait around. He's not going to be on hold. <laughs> yes. So he calls up. He calls up, and uh, about the time we're waiting, and you got thirty seconds to the break, she goes, "You know, I didn't really date Dale Jr., but I kind of did. I hung out in a group of people with Dale Jr., and, you know, and I'm like, what? So your dad calls in, and she tells him that. Well, I, you know, and she's telling Dale Sr. this, and your dad was quick. 
because he said, and how old are you? <laughs> and she said, like, I don't remember what age. She said, like, 21. And he said, uh-oh, trouble in turn two. Oh, God. He, we laughed. He said this on the phone, and I'll never forget it. He said, uh-oh, trouble in turn two. And the other thing was, uh, is about Dale Jr. So I remember I was at the local radio station, and you remember they used to put the stage up at the racetrack, mm-hmm. and we'd do the live show. Local radio always does that in the local area, and and your dad was supposed to be on. And I was at the station one day, and they came, and they said, oh, Dale Sr. cannot come. Dale cannot come. He's not going to be able to make it. And the salespeople were beating their heads against the wall. <laughs> no. What are going to do? He's huge, you know. And, um, and it was when Dale Jr. was just a skinny little kid, right? I don't even remember what age, but, I mean, nobody really ran to interview him. <laughs> if you can remember, that's how long ago it was, which I think is hysterically funny now. That is hilarious. And I always try to, if I get a chance to say, you know, have you remembered that I knew you when you were... <laughs> to win. Yeah. Well, anyhow, so the salespeople come in, and they're like, so there's Dale Earnhardt Jr. Would you want Dale Earnhardt Jr. to come on? And the salespeople are like, <laughs> no way. And I'm like, well, you can bring him by if you want. Bring the kid over, you know. I, you know, bring him over. I had, I don't know if I'd ever even met him. So he comes in there. You couldn't see sideways when he stood sideways, you know. Uh, but he came in to fill in for Dale Sr., right? <laughs> and they're like, bring that Dale Jr. over, whoever he is, right? Well, we had simulators down in front of the stage. Had simulators. And... Dale Jr., after or before he did the interview, got in the simulator. And Kenny Schrader and whatever dang drivers we had on on that day, because I can't remember. It's been so many years since then. He proceeded to beat every one of them in the simulator, and pretty soon he drew a crowd because he was beating them up on the <laughs> simulator <laughs> down below, right? right? after all. And every time that I think later, looking back, and crowds following Dale Jr., uh, and I think... Wow, you know, I mean, I remember when no one wanted him to come over <laughs> on the stage, and now they would knock the stage down and rebuild it for him. To get there, right, exactly. You know, and I think he kind of appreciates people who knew him that long. But, you know, your dad, I, I remember something else about your dad that I thought was really cool at the time. And I want to say it was either at Darlington or Rockingham, but I remember it was, you know, one of the close racetracks. And your dad was in the media center, and Richard Childress came in and was, there was no podium. They were all kind of clumped together. It was a little room, you know. And reporters leaned over to try to get to your dad. And your dad said, don't block, Richard. That's rude. Don't do that. And I thought it was cool because it was not just him it was about. Yeah. He noticed, a lot of people think he was rough around the edges. No, 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 no. He, he knew what he was doing and he was very, it was very classy of him when he was the focus to yeah. say, don't step in front of Richard. That's yeah. that's not what you do. I never knew him, you know, to the point that I hung out at his house or, you know, knew that about him. But I noticed things about drivers. And I noticed that about yeah. him, yeah. that he was big enough to look out for people. Don't. Don't get that microphone in front of Richard. Yeah. And Be it was respectful. Just, it was just somebody that was reaching over. And he was the limelight, but he didn't ever did act yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, and I also loved the interview that I had with Jake Elder before uh, 
before he passed and before he went to the nursing home. And he had so many great I stories. I bet he did. <laughs> about how your dad would bring gifts over. And, and then he hung up on him the last time he ever talked to him. And he never called him back. And they never spoke again. And Elder was rough around the edges. Oh, yeah. But he told so many stories about uh, Earnhardt Sr. bringing over gifts, remembering holidays. And, um, and I remember that part about him, as well as the interviewing him and the times you would walk. And he would switch direction and be over pit road, and you'd be like going the wrong way. You're like, whoops, there he went. He liked to kind of fool with the whole he crowd. To, yeah, he yeah, definitely he liked to do joke that and trip you up. For and sure. one time, and I can't remember, you probably know more than I, but it was one time when Dale, uh, they were at DEI and they unveiled a sports car, a really fancy car, and they'd just come off of Talladega where he had made up all those positions mm-hmm. in like come from short stead. Or something, yeah. And there was a news conference on the sports car racing right after that. that and I remember walking up there, and I remember saying, and my microphone was running, and I asked him to talk to me about what he did there. And people were talking about other things, and he stopped, and he engaged, and he told me, like, like with his hands. And <laughs> I almost had trouble breathing at his story of how, you know, he engaged. Because he, sometimes he would look down, like Dale Jr. kind of looked down. When Junior first started, you know, he'd pick at his toes or look down this way. And and your dad was kind of like that. He didn't always look straight at you when he talked to you. I was kind of deferred. And, of course, he was usually running somewhere or moving. But, uh, but he told that story about uh, how he did that. And I thought it was so cool because he was so excited about it. And then somebody asked him that day, too, uh, if he... That, that he could see somebody eating a bologna sandwich in the... Um, in the garage driving on the track because his eyesight and he grabbed somebody's reporter pad and he said you see this he said i can't see a darn thing on this, <laughs> but i can see 10 miles away oh yes he you could. know his far mm-hmm. his far sight was really good he said but i can't even see hey, what's we written were on here sitting up on um dell and i were on a trailer at the race you know on a hauler or something i forget which race it was and next thing we know, we had somebody come getting us, and they said, your dad's out on the racetrack, saw y'all up there, and he said to get down. <laughs> and he could. He could see that way yeah, for sure, exactly, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, this is going to be, this is this is just great stuff. Um, we're going to get to rapid fire in just a little bit and find out a little mm-hmm. bit more about you. But first, um, I want to thank you for being here because this has just been really fun. The stories have been great. I don't do a lot of this, but yeah. I would do it for you because I think you're totally – totally have not changed your personality uh, despite everybody running after you for business things and whatnot uh, from the day I met you as a young blonde haired girl you know having a good time <laughs> kicking it up at Coyote Joe's truthfully you were always really nice then and you're the same Aww. person now I don't always get to talk to you long I know we don't it's terrible we yeah. need to get yeah. together for a glass of wine or something because what happens is I see you on the red carpet and yeah, uh, we hug and we see, but we're, it's such a busy know, life we all live, right? It is. That's why sitting down like this with the podcast is fun. Yeah, I yeah. usually get to reconnect with people that I don't get that opportunity to do that. Right. So well, you're a busy woman. you got a lot are, on the plate. All right. Well, we're going to move into our hair 911. We'll see what you have to say about this. I bet you've had experience out in the NASCAR world with some hair color and whatnot. So, so this week we're changing things up uh, with National Color Day right around the corner on October 22nd. TG has come out with a new hair color line called Color Trip. It is TG's new semi-permanent color line that has 12 intermixable, long-lasting hair color shades for rebellious colors that last through 20 shampoos. Cocktail and create anything from electric, vibrant tones with intense shine to punked-out pastels. 
formulated with hydrolyzed keratin and coconut oil, which is known to strengthen hair and condition hair. Color Trips Gentle Formula with low pH is designed to close the cuticle for healthier looking hair. All right, so what color do you want to be, Claire? I don't know. Have you let your daughters have your daughters tried it, or have you? I, I have not tried it, but I'm going to. The blue or the <laughs> blue. There's a there's a hauler driver in the series that has completely pink hair, and he's not a young, young guy. But he's taken his, like, white hair, and he's dyed it pink. For what reason, I don't know. Might be what you're talking about. Well, and it may be, like, this is something that you could use because right now everything's pink for Breast Cancer Month. So maybe there he's, you go. Yeah, so there's... Um, yeah, this this is a good applicable product for different things. So, so you, sounds easy to do too. It so does that's sound. I'm going to tell you about that, right? So yeah. you can apply color trip to pre-lightened, pre-shampooed hair, towel-dried hair. That's good. You can wet, dry, whatever. Process for up to 20 minutes or up to 30 minutes for more vibrant results. You do not shampoo this out. You rinse with lukewarm water and condition with TG's Bedhead Color Goddess Conditioner, and then rinse in style as desired. We might have to try this. And you can just do one strand, right? You I don't think have to do can. the whole head. You can yes. kind of like. Do it artistically. Yeah. Yes. So that's I what I suggest. Colorants can cause severe allergic reactions, so it is recommended that you um, have your colorist perform an allergy test or alternative evaluation 48 hours prior to deciding that you want this color service. Um, even if you've used a different hair color product before um, from another brand, they want you to make sure that you check that out. So you can search ColorWise, which is C-O-L-O-U-R-W-I-S-E.org for details. Um, it's also a fun way to support your favorite uh, NASCAR team, your favorite NFL team. They got blue, violet, pink, pale violet, pale yellow, yellow, orange, copper, red, deep red, and green. <laughs> All right. So I think I would have to go for orange. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably do a little blue in the back and just try it first. Blue. When I was in uh, high school, I, I helped my girlfriend dye her hair, like highlight it, and it ended up looking like a zebra thing. She oh, was gosh. Like, How does, does it look bad? I'm like, oh, it looks great. With Carson's 16th birthday, we just, we, we, we pulled out fun pictures to play this game with, and she had pink highlights. And she actually looked at me. I cannot believe that she questioned me. And she said, Mom, why did you let me do this? <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> I'm like, because you wanted to and you were arguing with me? Because you're responsible so, for everything. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a great alternative to that. Yeah. Um, adults and kids alike, you can use this new uh, semi-permanent color line from TG and celebrate National Color Day on October 22nd. Sounds like tons of fun. All right, so you can get all those great colors. They're available at pr your participating Fantastic Sam's locations. Um, they are all over the U.S., so surely you can find one in your area. And if not, you can go to fantasticsams.com. Um, we definitely want to thank Bedhead uh, by TG for their continued support of this podcast and allowing uh, us to share all these fun stories with our listeners. We'd also like to thank Exalta for their continued support. Um, Jeff Gordon and Alex Bowman have been filling in for Dale while he's out, and that's been awesome. You can also follow Exalta Racing on Twitter and Facebook to keep up with all the latest news and photos on the Exalta number 88. All right, Claire, this is the fun part. Rapid okay. fire. I'm ready. Best advice you've ever been given. I had a program director one time who taught me tragic flaw. Every person you meet, every person you know, everyone in your family, every human being has a tragic flaw. So you got to be light on people. He would say to me, well, that's just their tragic flaw. Everybody has one, right? So when you're down on people or you think you can't figure somebody out, well, that's just their tragic flaw. It was really some good advice. And you just shared that with me. I'm using that. I'm all about <laughs> some good yeah therapeutic stuff these days i'm telling you <laughs> tragic flaw and tragic flaw failing forward and failing forward yeah somebody falls down in your company and does something wrong you're like you know tragic what? tragic flaw yep they can't use that as an excuse though no 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 <laughs> believe me all right favorite racetrack 
Well, I think it would be selfish for me to say because how I judge racetracks, I always tell fans, is by the access, how I can get in and get out, how close it is to my hotel, <laughs> how I can do my job, how far the care center is away, right? Which makes sense. Now, Texas, I get to park right in front of the door of the media center and uh, the really good hotel there, you know, not far. So that's how I judge them. But, you know, as far as racing, love Bristol. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, yeah. I like the short tracks. Uh, I like the super speedways. Uh, my heart goes in my throat every time they race at Talladega, but I like it. So that's my answer. <laughs> All right. Highlight of your career. Every time I interview a crew member, a crew chief, or a driver who's had their first win, uh, it really, to me, I never forget it. And I consciously tell myself, don't ever forget this. You don't know where this person is going. Try to tell everybody the story. Try to remember the emotion, the color. What color was the wall? What, was the, what were they doing? How were they hugging? What, you know, to me, I think I try so hard to soak it all in to tell the story that I don't forget it. And that's the highlight, really, is to be able to accurately tell the story of the first time somebody ever gets a big win, that you know? so awesome. Aww. Best season to dress for. Oh, the fall. I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> I like boots. I got a boot collection. It, my my tragic flaw is <laughs> booties. Your boot collection. I got boots. People are like, what boots is she wearing this week they see on TV? But I love booties. You know, uh, I, they were pushing a car through the garage the other day uh, for inspection, and I was live, and I don't have someone with me at the time, and I'm walking, and there's tons of people, and the sea hasn't parted, so I'm just walking, and I can't hear. Well, they're pushing the car, and they're like, move aside, move aside. I don't hear it. Car comes by. And someone yells at me at the last minute. I jump out of the way. Now, today I have boots on that are suede up to the... It cut the car, the spoiler at the front, cut the the zipper and the suede. If oh, I'd wow. had those ballet shoes on, You'd I'd have had a, a chopped tendon. Yeah. So I always wear boots. I love boots, and it is the thing. That, so fall... Boots, sweatshirts, love it. And in the summer, she's in boots, too. Yeah, (laughs) Occasionally, I am. (laughs) All right, biggest pet peeve. My biggest, I have two of them. One is, you know, leading people with leading questions to try to get an answer rather than to listen to what their answer would really be if you left it a little bit more open. But the other one is, it's so fickle. It's so crazy. People who take your reading material on the flight when you're traveling. <laughs> what reading material? Well, you're on the airplane and people don't buy their own magazines. Oh, oh And you yeah, don't know yeah, this person. And yes. they're like, could I just, you're going to Can't California. <laughs> could I just, and everybody on the airplane who travels with NASCAR knows this. If they're, someone's like, you know, a guy sitting next to you and he's like, oh, you know, could I read your USA Today? Don't could I read your newspaper? <laughs> could I grab your magazine? Now you're spending $15, $20 that you don't get to expense yeah. for your reading material so you can to read it. To occupy yourself and for four hours. other <laughs> people will take it from you and read it so they don't have to pay. That's hilarious. They don't have to pay. <laughs> That's just one of a million, but I drew that one out. just came quickly, rapid fire. Don't try to take my magazine away from me <laughs> on the airplane when I'm going to California. Good to know. Have you ever had that? happen when i know well because no, you're flying no, on no private no, no. or no. first class i know what you mean though it's yeah part of that is just like they're not not being prepared and just being Co- yeah you're just, going to it, california it's a yeah. four-hour flight yeah. get prepared and could yeah. i and you haven't even cracked open your newspaper yeah. and they're like could i yeah. could i have that magazine no i would give it to them when i'm done and i have done that but Ask me they joke on the plane. They're like, don't try to take Claire's magazine. I know. I think her. when I pass you in the garage next time, that's when I'll be like, hey, <laughs> can I have your magazine? You got the latest people I can borrow. <laughs> Meet you on the airplane. Go buy one and bring it with you because I'm not getting one for the flight. <laughs> All right. Well, if they didn't know it now, they do know They know it now. It's publicly yeah, they distributed. They didn't know it before. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Claire, um, for being here. It's been lots of fun. I well, hope you've enjoyed it just the same. You Thanks do for a, making time for you me. You do a great job interviewing. I um, try. Usually I have you on as a guest. Uh, I think you do a great job like interviewing. I like that. We could do that next time is yeah. where you come on the podcast and you interview me. We did that <gasps> with Marty Smith once, and it was really fun. Will you let really me do fun. that? Yeah. It was Promise? Really yeah, absolutely. I would really like to do that. I have huge. It I would fun. really like to do that. I have huge respect for you. It was kind of turning the table, so it was kind of neat. You and know? you're a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's what I like. Then we could talk about something else besides, like, whatever we have to talk about after a race yeah. that we won or whatever, you know. Well, I still want to ask you. you know, well, what Ask you, me what you want to ask me. Well, here's the thing. You always lead up. You always lead up to the next thing so that you can have the sequel. We'll have to go deeper into the Coyote Joe stories next time, and I'm going to interview you about well, then it. Then I'm going to have to start remembering. <laughs> I have to think about it. I bet I you have, have a photos. terrible memory. I, well, cause we, we didn't take pictures back then. We didn't have cell phones, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave you with this. I know that I'm not a line dancer, and I, I know that I wouldn't have line danced. You? Probably not. I don't think I we did. Danced. But I think that in front of the band, I might have danced at yeah. Coyote Joe's yeah. at that time. I'm pretty sure it's I did. Probably highly possible. I think we had a really good time. <laughs> I'm sure we had a good time. <laughs> and we're going to leave it there. It's All an right. honor to be it's on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time. Oh, you for got the it. Sequel to that story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys for listening to this week's Fast Lane Family. Hey everyone, this is Ron LaMasters, host of Historically Speaking. Tune in every Friday as Steve Richards and I take a look through history at numbers, trends, topics, and lists from the world of junior motorsports and NASCAR. That's every Friday right here on Dirty Mo Radio. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 